Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, we are underway on a Tuesday edition of Birds 365 on a day that I don't really like being here. Not that my partner Johnny Mac annoys me at all. I oh, love sure. doing a show and talking to you guys, but it's a, kind of a sad day. Maybe I got a little too much empathy in me, but it is major NFL cutdown days. Maybe the biggest one we've ever seen, supposedly from 80 down to 53. The Eagles have already... Uh, sliced off a couple, and we'll give you a couple more names that, while not official, John believes have already been told, yeah, you don't have to worry about showing up for work today. Cut down day here on Birds 365 with McMullen and McDonald. J-Mac, how was practice yesterday? We were a little surprised before we uh, wrapped up yesterday's show that they were even having practice. They did, and you tell me full participation. So some guys went out there and took one last stand before they were told, yeah, your services are no longer needed? Yeah, I, I was a little surprised. But remember, this year's a little bit different. We've cut down uh, to three preseason games from four. You have this long ramp-up period uh, between the final preseason game, the season opener. So it's kind of a new system. So I, I did say to myself, uh, why are they going to make these guys practice that they know are going to be cut one final day? And then I started looking at the rest of the league. A lot of teams did it. So the Eagles certainly weren't alone. I, I, I do think it was interesting because you get one last sort of practice. And let's be honest, we've been talking about it all summer, basically. The Eagles were only out there for 90 minutes. Um, you know, you're not making any decisions you haven't already made. One last opportunity if you want to be – romantic about it but nobody was changing anybody's mind yesterday so it was really an interesting dynamic but it, it sort of got overlapped by the fact that the Eagles activated Rodney McLeod Landon Dickerson made it very clear that they're going to be on the final 53 that kind of overwhelmed the weirdness but yeah then you start talking about the cuts are leaking out uh, the latest this morning Craig James Jason Huntley Tom Pelissero from NFL Media. I've been able to confirm Craig James completely. Uh, but, you know, Tom's great. Jason Huntley's gone as well. Um, and and then Ross Pierce, Bacher, Mike Jaquette. Uh, who else am I missing? There was a, there was a fifth Patton. one. Andre Patton. Uh, those are the guys that uh, have been reportedly been released already, waived. Uh, Craig James. Maybe a slight surprise, but he was injured with a foot for most of camp. And I always talk about the strategy of this, uh, Jody. You know, part of it is, can you get this guy through waivers? Craig James are going to be able to get through waivers. He'll be back on the practice squad. So that part of it is kind of understandable. And that's why it's difficult to kind of project these things. All right. Uh, let's, let's do the cuts before we get back to 
the two guys who were activated yesterday, who you're right, were more attention grabbers and headline getters. Um, but the cut guys you just mentioned, Craig James, maybe slightly surprised. Uh, you turned in your projected 53 for the all-important contest that you're in, correct? You had to do that by Saturday, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was informed by Bo Wolf, the champion. So defending. he's in charge. The defending champ, two-time defending champion. He'll get mad at me if I don't say that. Um, not a lot of people had landed Dickerson on the final 53. Really? So I was a little uh, uh, buoyed by that because I had landed Dickerson. I said, they're not going to shut him down for seven weeks. That's what would have happened if they kept him on the NFI list. Um, and that was my thought process. They're going to want to practice and they're going to want to try to ramp them up in case they need them somewhere down the line this season, because they kind of seen, you know, Nate Herbig can handle guard. He can't handle center. We've kind of seen that. So they want to get Landon Dickerson up to speed as quickly as possible. They weren't going to shut him down for that long a period. So I was right. I was excited about that. And then I'm starting to feel good about my chances, and all of a sudden, Craig James goes, and he's a guy I had on the final 53. That's why I I asked the question. I thought maybe you did. Yeah, I thought he's such a good special teams player. Um, I I thought that would put him over the hump. He's by far their best special teams player. And their other great special teams player, they already lost in the offseason. That was Rudy Ford. I thought they would want to keep him around just from that sentiment. But again, the new rules make it more difficult because you can get a guy on the practice squad. You can get a veteran player on the practice squad and you can elevate him during the week because of the COVID rules. So the strategy is a lot more uh, difficult to figure out. And I do believe Craig is going to be here. Uh, because nobody's going to pick him up for a couple reasons. One, he's not a high-profile guy, but two, he's also injured. He's coming off a summer. He was injured, missed most of camp with a foot injury. So Howie Rosen is probably saying, we'll just get him on the practice squad. We'll go about it that way. I expect him to be back on the roster at some point. Um, But that one hurt me personally, but nobody cares about me personally. No, I I care. (laughs) And, oh, by the way, I'm going to rub a little salt in the wounds. Um, because I did suggest to you yesterday with the Jonathan Gannon policy of hits that that's his foundational belief. Yes. And a big part of that is, you know, I love, I love Jonathan Gannon, by the way. And I, I can't stop laughing when anybody brings up the hits principle. The hits it's so, principle. It's so, it's, it's so silly to me, but go ahead. I'm well, sorry. Hey. No, I know. When was the last time you covered a defensive coordinator who went so far as to say it is the main principle of my entire defensive strategy and turnovers is a big part of it? I know what you're going to say because you said yesterday, and you're right. Every coach wants turnovers. It's not like, hell, holy mackerel, Jonathan Gannon figured out turnovers are important. Yeah, we all knew it, but he took it to another level and emphasized it as much as he did. And I'm telling you, that factored into the decision Eagles made when they kept Kevin Seymour. The fact that he had oh, he's two not gonna of make the, the Eagles team. turnovers. He's not going to make the team. You don't think so? Then how many cornerbacks are left on this roster? Mike Five. Five are going to make this team. I, and I'll tell you what's going to happen. And, you know, 
you, you can kill me for this tomorrow if it doesn't happen. The fifth corner is going to be Josiah Scott. And the fifth corner is going to make the team over Craig James because the GM traded for him. That's what's going to be the, the, the deciding factor. Kayvon Seymour is not making this football team. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I just don't see that happening. And I get what you're trying to say. And I get everybody's in the meritocracy. And I, hopefully I'll get to ask Howie Roseman this later because I want to ask him this uh, about meritocracy and how you weigh that up about the future 2022, 2023, so on, which is his job, which is a little bit different than a head coach's job. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think Kayvon – there's 17 more cuts to go. I think five corners are making this team. Darius Slay, Steve Nelson, uh, Avante Maddox, uh, Zach McPherson, and, and Josiah Scott, and that's it. And I thought the last battle, and that's what it came down to for me, was Craig Germ Craig James versus Josiah Scott. I thought Craig James' special teams ability would give him the edge. I think, I think, and we'll see how it shakes out, Josiah gets the edge because, again, the GM traded for him. All right, then, if they're only going with five corners and in a league where you play as much nickel as they play these days, that's not a lot. I guarantee you there are teams in the NFL that are going to carry uh, they're six gonna keep corners. Six. But again, here's where the practice squad rules come in. You can elevate, so you can cut Craig James, you can put him on the practice squad, and you can elevate him for week one. You have that ability to elevate two players from the practice squad because of the COVID rules. That's what makes things different. Doug Peterson tried to explain this last year when people get so uber-focused on the 53. It's not the 53. It's, in this case, the 69. You can bring guys up. During the week, if you need a corner, if you need a defensive tackle, if you need an offense, you can bring guys up on the off the practice squad for that particular game. And that's new from 2020, and it's now carried over to 2021. All right, then refresh my memory. Guy comes up, uh, you've got a player who looks like he can't play in a given week, but it's not a long-term injury that he's going to be back the next following week. You bring a guy up for a week. To put him back on the practice squad, first of all, you got to make room for him on the fifty-three, right? You, you no, have to... no, you can elevate because of COVID. You don't. You you so don't it's a have fifty. So basically, it's a fifty-five, 55 man roster. Yeah, fifty-five okay. on game day. So you but don't. Have you to... also still have to. You have to. You have a fifty-five man roster, but only forty-eight can play. Right. You got to cut it down on on day of game. I get that. Um, so when you do that, when you use a practice squad player on your uh, game day 48, you don't have to put them through waivers if they're going back to the practice squad the next week? You don't have to put them through waivers. Now, the, the problem with the practice squad, however, two things. You can only elevate guys a certain number of times. I believe it's two. It might be three. I believe it's two. So you can only do it twice. And say if you do it twice with Greg James, to use him as an example, then you got to make a decision. You got to either bring him up to the roster full time or, or, or do something of that nature. Um, then the second part, and I, I've already lost my train of thought. I'm trying to get it back where I was going. The second part is, um, and I'm thinking about your waiver question. That's what threw me off. Uh, I, 
don't believe you have you go back and forth. There's no waiver issue. Okay. But you can only be brought up two times. And 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 that obviously is a strategical thing because it's not like you can stash somebody that you value, that you want to play 16 games and say, we're just going to put them on the practice squad, keep bringing them up. You can't do that. Oh, then the next part, this is you can only protect three players on the practice squad each week. So if you have a guy on the practice squad and another team wants to sign him to a regular season roster, they can do that. They can pluck anybody they want. And obviously getting a 53-man job in another city is better than being on the practice squad. So it's not just carefree, like you have this extra group, but it is a, a, a different tool you can use especially on a given week if you need a corner, if you need a wide receiver, blah, blah, blah. Another uh, uh, procedural question that you uh, probably know, I hope you do, um, that protected list, because that was new last year too, being able to quote-unquote protect guys on the practice squad so another team can't come along and just uh, pick them up and put them on their 53. Did they announce that? or is Yeah, that the, Eagles, the, the Eagles, by the way, it was interesting. The Eagles used that every week last year, and they would announce the protected guys. Most teams didn't even bother. Most right. teams didn't even didn't even protect guys. Um, the Eagles used it every single week. They protected uh, three players every week. They would announce it on on social media, but um, most teams don't even bother. So it depends on the team. Most teams didn't bother protecting, protecting guys, or players. most teams didn't bother. No, announcing it. it it's on the it, the nfl has a transaction wire so you have to announce every transaction uh if you protect guys it's on at the bare minimum it's on the transaction wire so everybody who covers the league everybody knows um most teams didn't even bother protecting guys now does the player benefit at all from being one of those protected players is there a little uh, like stipend in their check or no. No, I mean you make your practice squad deal. There's a range. People think it's nine thousand. You can you can make more. Uh, some teams pay players more to stay on the practice squad because they don't want to lose them. But no, it's in fact it's more of a detriment to be protected because you can't can't move. If, yeah, yeah, you can't move. So it's actually a detriment to the player. That's why I asked if there was any uh, advantage to it and maybe a couple extra bucks. Not the case. All right. Well, uh, you can only do it for a week. You can only do it each week. In other words, and you can only do it, I believe, Wednesday. So a team, if a team is smart, they can go Monday or Tuesday and say, hey, you want to come on our 53? And they can get you. So it, you're only shut down for a few days in that particular week. And then the cycle starts over. And if a team really wants you, they can swipe you on a Monday or a they, Tuesday. They know when exactly they yeah. got to make the claim. All right. Um, the two guys who did get reinstated yesterday. There was some debate. Glad to hear John McMullen was ahead of the curve as to uh, whether uh, Dickerson and McLeod were going to be kept on the 53. Were they going to be put on IR? Minimum close to a half a season, if that were the case, before the season started, not on the 53. Uh, good to see both of them not only uh, put on the 53 immediately into practice yesterday and back out there on the field. Give me your read on whether either, neither, or both 
will be activated week number one. Um, I think Rodney Cloud is more likely to be activated for week one. Uh, I don't think there's any way Landon Dickerson will be activated for week one. Um, and I think Rodney's not 100% by any stretch of the imagination. But it is a clear indication, obviously, um, that they believe these injuries are not going to last longer than six weeks. That's how long they would have sh- um, shut down. Uh, both, interestingly, toward their ACLs in December. Um, now, Landon has a bigger injury history in general, bigger guy, too, 6'6", 330. So right. when you talk about leg injuries, I think it's better to err on the side of caution to give those guys a little bit more time. Um, but that's – I'm not a doctor. That, to me, just seems like common sense. But, but I have heard that from doctors as well. You want to make sure everything's – uh, the grab to heal. Generally, it's nine months. So if you do it, I think Rodney got hurt December 13th. Um, nine months would be September 13th. That's really tight window. Um, Landon got hurt a little bit later than that. So it would be a little bit later in uh, September. Um, Rodney has stated his goal from pretty much the beginning of this was week one. Um, so we'll see if he gets there. It, but if he doesn't get there, um, I think you're going to see Rodney McLeod very early in the season. Um, I think Landon's more about um, getting him ready to practice for what I said in, in the worst case scenario, because he's not supposed to play. The starters are going to be from left to right, Isaac Sayamalo, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks on the interior. Those guys are starting. He's not pushing anybody. Um But if one of them gets injured and we know the injury history of this team and the offensive line, then you want him to be able to play and you got to get him ramped up and ready to play as quickly as possible. So this is the start towards that. I do think it'll be interesting to see if either um, uh, gets placed on injured reserve after the 53. I don't think the Eagles can do that because they've said they're healthy and they're practicing. So they can't turn around and say they're injured again. So they're going to be on the 53. Uh, and no shenanigans, no moving him to injured reserve. Right. But you can attempt shenanigans if you want. You can, well, say, you can oh, say they got re-injured. He, he re-injured yeah. himself in practice. Yeah. And then yeah. you can put him back on the IR, which is three-week minimum, right? After you make yes. the 53, you go on the IR. If you do it before the year, then it's a minimum of seven games or eight. Is it a half a season? I know it's close. Uh, I'm not sure which one it is. But if it's post-53, then you go on IR, minimum of three games you have to be out, correct? Yeah, and that's a new COVID rule as well. That was put into place last season. So typically, you know, for years, when you got placed on injured reserve, your season was over in the NFL. You know, then they had they put in a rule where two players could be designated to return after a a pretty lengthy period. I think it was eight weeks Um, and and you could designate them to return. But just two players. Now you have this unlimited supply. If you go on injured reserve, you got to be out, as you said, three weeks. But you can return any time after that. Um, So it makes things a little bit easier uh, from that perspective, because if you have a six-week injury before, you would have to keep guy. Isaac Samala was the best example of this. 
last year. He had an eight-week injury. In the old days, that was a difficult decision. You would say, we're going to shut this guy down for the whole season, or we're going to carry him for eight weeks till he gets healthy again. That's that's a tough decision if right. you need a roster spot. Now you don't have to make those difficult decisions. And I know we're getting into the um, muck and the mire of these roster moves and restrictions and new rules and COVID change rules. Oh, there's and so many of them too, man. But it is important. And and the teams that play this game and structure their roster and use the leniencies that the NFL has built in mainly because of COVID can garner an advantage. So it is pretty important. That's why I wanted to spend as much time with it with John today as we have. We'll probably spend some time with our first guest. Uh, very uh, excited to get him up again. It's been a while. Good to have him back. Uh, Jeff Mosher is going to join us from InsideTheBirds.com and his podcast, Inside the Birds, as well. So, uh, Jeff Mosher coming up next here on Birds 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Cut down day edition of Birds 365, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac. And we're joined by another M. 
He spells his first name with a G. We forgive him that. Yeah. He's not JM. He's only GM. But he's a bud, and he does a great job covering the Eagles for uh, Inside the Birds. Our buddy Jeff Mosher. How are you, Mr. Mosher? I'm good, and I may have to go enlist uh, my friend Jeff Schwartz, former offensive lineman, yeah. to go uh, go pay a visit over your way if you're going to make fun of G-E-O-F-F. He's a lot bigger than me. <laughs> uh, send the big guy at me, huh? Okay. Yeah, yeah he's my henchman. <laughs> Jeff, obviously, Inside the Birds, the podcast everybody knows with Adam Kaplan, InsideTheBirds.com, the website. And I want to give a quick plug because – you guys are the big stars. Everybody knows Mosher and Kaplan, but Andrew Tucheco is also helping them out. He does a great job at InsideTheBirds.com. Uh, so I wanted to give Andrew a little shout-out. But obviously, it's cut-down day, Jeff. Um, we've already started. I think the biggest machinations happened yesterday had nothing to do with the cuts. That's Rodney McLeod, Landon Dickerson being activated off the pub for Rodney off the NFI list for Landon. Any of that surprised you? Uh, Rodney stated week one was his goal, but Landon, you know, there was a little wiggle room there. Yeah, it surprised me a little bit only because Rodney, I know that his goal was week one, but at his age and with um, that being the second time he's coming off the knee surgery, I wasn't sure, and I'm still not, right? It doesn't mean he's going to be ready week yeah. one. It's just a, a step in the right direction. But I, I thought one, if not both, might start the year on um, one of the lists that puts you out a couple of weeks before you can, you know, come back and practice a little bit. So I thought the it's it's a it's a good sign. Obviously, the team believes that both Rodney and Landon can probably play sooner than later, um, and we're, we're willing to put them on the list now. I mean, on the fifty-three man now. Jeff, any uh, beat guy worth his salt, and certainly you are, and John is. Uh, have come up with a projected 53-man roster. I just asked Jay Mack about it in our first segment about how many corners they're going to keep because uh, Michael Jacquet, nobody's surprised that he was given his walking papers. John was a little surprised uh, that they let James go. Um, how many corners do you think are going to make this 53-man roster at least when they cut down at 4 o'clock today before the juggling begins? Yeah. And see, so that, you know, Adam and I talked about this on the last podcast. It used to be kind of cool to do your 53 man roster projection and see how many you can get right. <laughs> it's hard then, now. Yeah. Now, 24 hours later, it doesn't even, it's irrelevant yeah, because matter. of the waiver claims and the trades that are made. It's almost like we should start redoing our, our, our final 53 or the 53 right before the season opener, because it's going to change. I mean, if, if Craig James is waived and Michael Jaquette is no longer with the team, you know, I guess that leaves kind of like someone like Josiah Scott as the last man standing for the number five cornerback job. But I'm not 100% convinced that Josiah Scott is going to be the fifth cornerback for this team when the season begins. So he might be tomorrow at, or today at four o'clock. Let's see what happens tomorrow, because that's a position where you are able, able to um, look at the waiver wire, address it. It's really a special teams position. And you hope that the person that you claim um, can also contribute if that person has to contribute. They've got some versatility inside, outside. I don't know that they see Josiah Scott as really an inside and outside guy. Uh, good special teamer, good interior defender, but I have a feeling that that's a, a, a very adjustable 
bottom roster spot uh, in the following days after the initial 53. Yeah. And Jeff, you mentioned special teams. That's one of the reasons I thought Craig James would stick around because he's their best special teams player. Really, if you take away Rudy Ford, who they lost in the off season. So now you start to think about, okay, where's Michael Clay when it comes to those core special teams guys, which isn't the sexiest thing in the world, but, but nonetheless, you're mm-hmm. right. I mean, the waiver wire, it's become so much more difficult because uh, of all the machinations, of all the new COVID rules. Um, you know, you have short-term injured reserve. You have the expanded practice squads. You have the ability to elevate people week to week from the practice squad to the regular roster. So it's become much more difficult. But I, I, I do we make it more complicated or do you think Howie Roseman goes the simple route? We always talk about vested veterans, for instance, Richard Rogers, Jordan Howard, players like that, cut them. Their, their salary's not guaranteed. Bring them back week two. Or do you just keep the best players? You know, there's a little bit of both. Obviously you may have to go heavy or light at a certain position, you know, Take tight end, for example. Right now, as we speak, you know, Zach Gertz is on the roster. Dallas Goddard's on the roster. They like the kid Stoll, Jack Stoll, who I think is going to make it. Of course, Tyree Jackson was a developmental player, right, John, that that they really liked. And they're probably, I assume, as we sit here today, they're going to keep him and then put him on IR 24 Mm. hours later. Um, But to do that, they may feel like they have to release Richard Rodgers because he's a vested veteran. And then once they make that transaction and put Tyree Jackson on IR, then they try to bring back Richard Rodgers after week one when you don't have to guarantee a salary. But, John, that and, and Jody, this could also be a classic case of overthinking. I mean, Tyree Jackson was a quarterback. He looked nice this year, but he's really just transitioning to tight end, and he's hurt. So I've made the argument, go ahead and release him. Who is going to claim him off waivers? and put him on their 53-man roster when, A, he has zero NFL experience at the position, and, B, he's weeks away from being healthy, and, C, he's probably not going to be active for you all throughout the year. So those are three really solid, legitimate reasons why they shouldn't keep Tyree Jackson. But all you have to do, John, to your point about overthinking, is go back to last year. They thought that they could do that with Noah Togiai, just cut him and then bring him back on the practice squad. And lo and behold, and I, and I still am mind-boggled by this, the Colts claimed him, despite the fact that there were no preseason games, no tape, theoretically, for anybody to be able to see what Noah Togiai was doing in practice. All people had was really just reporters saying, hey, this guy is a pretty good tight end. He can block a little bit. I mean, but every, every team in every camp has that, right? Somebody who's doing well and reporters tweeting about it. So maybe there was a little inside job there with Frank – Frank Reich and someone in the Novacare complex. But the bottom line is the Eagles lost a player that, you know, they wanted. Now, is in the grand scheme of things, it's not the biggest deal in the world, a tight end, but they lost a the player that they wanted because they released him and couldn't bring him back. So I do understand sometimes why there's a little bit of overthinking when it comes to that roster tango. Oh, so that explains why Nick Sirianni is the coach. Yeah. Frank Wright owed the Eagles one. So he said, well, hey, I got your next coach right here. I don't want to lose him off my staff, but if you want him, I'll give you the major time. Okay, that, that explains a lot. Thank you very much for that. No, I yeah. thought it was always that Carson just wanted to play with Noah Togi. <laughs> oh, that's cool. well. And then they wound up releasing him, the Noah, a couple of weeks ago. So it all didn't matter. All right. Uh, I asked you about corner earlier, Moshe. I want to get your take on safety. Because those two positions go hand in hand. 
The Eagles have already let a couple of corners go, so we know uh, what it's down to, and it's just one spot more or less and who's going to get it or not. They still got a lot of safeties still on this roster, and with putting McLeod back on the active yesterday, it grew the number of safeties rather than reducing it. If you think they're going to keep five cornerbacks, how many safeties are they keeping? Well, that's a good question, and I think the versatility uh, of certain guys, Jody and John, may influence how they view the numbers. You know, Elijah Riley is a guy who has played safety for the Eagles and is a good special teams player and has a chance to be a really nice developing special teams player in this league. He also played cornerback in college at Army. So with the defense, they're going to play a lot of, you know, a lot of teams that play two deep coverages, which the Eagles, you know, they're not going to play it exclusively, but they're going to play it a lot more. Sometimes they, they look at those corners in a two deep zone or a two deep defense and safety is a similar kind of positions because you always have that protection. You know, Malcolm Jenkins was a corner uh, in that kind of a defense in New Orleans before he came to Philadelphia. So I have a feeling Riley, the fact that he has cornerback in his background, that might help him. And maybe they consider him that fifth corner special teams guy, and that enables them to keep the four safeties that would come to mind, which would be obviously Rodney, <coughs> Anthony Harris, Marcus Epps, and Kavon Wallace. Though you could also keep Andrew Adams, the fifth guy, because he's A, a special teamer, and B, you still might need that depth because just because Rodney is back doesn't mean he's going to be ready for week one. And Kavon Wallace has been beat up for the last few weeks of camp. So, in fact, if they had to play a game today, I'm not quite sure who your starting safeties would be other than Anthony Harris. Jeff, there's two, when you talk about the fan base, there's probably two big lightning rod players, and it's going to be Andre Dillard uh, and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside for obvious reasons. One's Mm -hmm. a former first-round pick, one's a former second-round pick. We all know GMs in this league, and I always point out, it's not just Howie Roseman. People don't like Howie Roseman. Every GM in this league wants their premium picks to succeed. Has the rope run out for either of these two players? Well, let's start with the the wide receiver, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Going into camp, I would have told you that the rope, if it hadn't run out, it was very close to running out. And it's not like he's had a wonderful training camp. Um, But this is not a position where the Eagles are really deep, especially after their first two or three. Actually, you can just argue, you know, if we all assume Devontae Smith's going to be pretty good, after that, it's there, there's a lot of questions, you know. Um, so it's not a position of great depth for the team. And so you have a situation where J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is battling here to make it uh, as one of the last wide receivers. And, you know, a month ago, I would have told you the guy stands no chance. As we sit here today, I'm thinking he's got a pretty good chance. And, and John, I think the second-round pick of it isn't as relevant as it is as it was maybe last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they would have no problem – cutting ties with him if they had better fourth and fifth talent at that position. But he's literally in a race right now because Travis Fulgham has done nothing to help his case over the course of the training camp. And John Hightower hasn't done, did not come into camp with, with great, you know, uh, reputation among the coaches. Then he got hurt, but he does add some value. So you kind of have these three guys who are jockeying for either one or two final spots. And I'm sure that special teams, is going to play a role because that should for the last few special teams. Uh, I mean, the last few wide receiver spots and they all bring a different kind of dimension to special teams. So that's going to be a really interesting decision for the, and to see what happens on cut down day. 
Uh, as for Dillard, I agree with you. I think that the fact that he's a former first-round pick, even though he's a backup right now, means a lot to Howie. Um, I, I would think that you know teams will call. I know teams will call. And um, I imagine the price tag will be pretty high to get him because this team, you know, this team needs depth on the offensive line, and he is a former first-rounder. Speaking of the wide receivers, just one man's opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, they've got – after Devonta Smith, you could make an argument for anybody. We know Rager's <laughs> staying because he's only one year in from being a second-round pick. Watkins first has round. played uh, – excuse me, did I say second first? Thank yeah. you. Um, Watkins has played well enough that he comes out of the conversation too, but he's a year removed from not being able to get on the field during games. Uh, so there aren't a ton of givens in the wide receiver room. I go so far as to say, take the three starters, Watkins, Rager, and Devonta Smith, and put them aside. Every other Eagle wide receiver, if they cut him, who would get picked up? Is there anyone in that group that you'd say, oh, we're going to go in? Eagles are a little over on wide receivers. We're going to steal a wide receiver from them. I don't think there's one guy that would get claimed if they uh, put him out there. I think they could bring any of them back for the practice squad or uh, re-switching after the first 53. If you take a couple guys, put them on IR. I think they could play that game with anyone other than the starters at the wide receiver position. You might be right. I mean, Greg Ward is Mr. Reliable. He's steady Eddie, but, you know, everybody's got a Greg Ward on their team. Um, look, Travis Fulgham's probably the only one that might get claimed, and that's because for four weeks last year, he looked like he was Calvin Johnson. And so ju- ju- I'm sure there's always some, there's always one coach or one GM out there that says, we can be the ones to, to tap into that guy. We can be the ones that brings him back to where he was last year when he was looking like one of the best young wide receivers in this league. Uh, and we would take a chance to put him on our 53. But other than that, you're right. I mean, it, it, that's no guarantee. And I, I could see Greg Ward and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and and others going through – and Watt, uh, Hightower going through the waivers unclaimed. Yeah. Jeff, I'm sure you saw uh, a couple of days ago, Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated uh, put out there his his column, and he said the Eagles were taking calls on offensive linemen, which makes sense because they're very deep on the offensive line. They got some uh, playing time, valuable playing time for guys like Nate Herbig and Jack Driscoll, Matt Pryor even. Eagles fans don't think very much of Matt Pryor, but this is an offensive line deficient league as a whole. So that part of it made sense. Didn't make sense. The Eagles want to shop some of their depth. And I put that in quotations at linebacker. Are they much deeper at linebacker than we thought coming into this process? You know, I don't know if it's about depth, John, and more so what are they doing in that position for example, like the Sam linebacker spot that they've kind of toyed with all year long or all camp long, it, it, the two guys who have really been in in the role for that, they're running for it, are Jannard Avery, right? And then the rookie, Patrick Johnson. And Jannard Avery not only has been hurt with the groin lately, but it's not really a position that he's played a whole lot. There, He's not a cover guy. He's not a, he's not a rush and cover guy. He's simply been a rush guy who just is undersized and looks like he should be a 3-4 linebacker which he probably should be in a rush situation and of course Patrick Johnson's a rookie so if if he would be if you're going to have a position we have a Sam position you need a starter you need a backup so you're you're telling me Jannard Avery is going to be the starter and a rookie who's never played an NFL snap then would be the 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 guy to come in if Jannard Avery is hurt 
it just feels like to me, Gannon may look at this and say, year one, I can't do everything I want to do with the personnel I have or the personnel I have right now. I need to get better personnel and we can, we can work with it because it's a situational position. So somewhere along the line, I'll get the guys I need. And that might make Howie say, well, here we have Jannard Avery. He's not going to be in our top four in our pass rush, but uh, I know Adam Kaplan uh, on our podcast inside the birds did report that some teams had called about Jannard Avery. So I could see them say, kind of saying this Sam thing is is a nice idea, but we don't have exactly what we want for it right now. But we are taking call, you know, somebody's calling us about Jannard Avery, so maybe we can get some value there. But overall, to your point about depth, I, I don't see any other where the other way you would say they have very good depth at linebacker that they would start pawning off any other players. One of the linebacker questions is: Is he really going to even play linebacker? And that's Ryan Kerrigan. We've all supposed that he could be in that Sam mix, but he's never done it before. Not in a game. He's been a defensive end his entire life, and the Eagles are toying with using him at the linebacker position, or at least that's what's being reported. And then, of course, he breaks the thumb and he doesn't get out there on the field for weeks. What's going to happen with Kerrigan? Is there a chance they IR him for the first couple of weeks? Do they really want to test him out at a new position on the fly with games that actually count? Jody, I don't, I don't think he's a linebacker in the sense of when we put the roster together, do we consider him linebacker or do we consider him defensive end? I just think it's the way that they use him. He is not going to be dropping back into coverage, but he has played a stand-up outside linebacker but rush position, just like I was talking about with Avery before. Um, quite often in his career, earlier in his career with Washington, him and Brian Arakpo were your your off, off outside linebackers in a three-four. Was it Jim Hazlitt's defense, John? I don't even remember anymore who ran the defense at that point. But I know yeah, that at that point, those, yeah, yeah, those yeah, were. The I think two, it was Hazlitt. Yeah, yeah, those were the two outside linebackers. But he was a rush outside linebacker, and that's the way they would use him here. Just because we're tradi- it's a four-three here still. So you used to see. Hold on, let me let me interrupt you, Jeff, because mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'll let you finish your point. But please, um, let me make. Didn't mm-hmm. Jonathan Gannon continue to tell us about deception being so important, part of what he was going to do? So he's got Mosher believing he's never going to drop in the coverage. When we put him out there, he's only going forward. He's only going to the quarterback. Oh, here comes Jonathan Gannon with this deception. He's actually going to have Brian Kerrigan try and cover somebody. Yeah, well, is that I, tri- a I, triple, I triple dog dare him to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and by the way, you know, there are great defensive ends in this league. Some of the greatest best Chandler Jones, you'll see, um, you know, even JJ Watt that t- they've dropped into coverage at times, like once right. in a blue moon to try to fool the quarterback. Sure. And if you're going to hold Jeff to that standard, I think <laughs> what he's trying to say is, He's not dropping into coverage a lot. Is that's no, the no. point? But every once in a while, yeah, you mm-hmm. might try to 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 fool the quarterback. And speaking of quarterbacks, Jeff, I can't believe I've gotten this far into this. We haven't talked about a guy who arrived, Gardner Minshew. I want to get your thoughts on the trade in general because I I think it's so interesting. I mean. Gardner comes from Jacksonville where he thinks he should be competing with Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. You know, I haven't met the guy yet as Jody is. They didn't give him to us yesterday, which shocked me. They claim they're giving him to us later this week. He wanted to compete with Trevor Lawrence. 
if you look at just his his history, he's more accomplished than the starting quarterback in this team. How do you bring him in as a third-string quarterback with that personality after what happened last year with, with the Eagles quarterback room? Well, I think the big question after what happened last year, John, was would the Eagles sort of learn their lesson or would they be the franchise that continues to beat the drum about always looking for young developmental quarterbacks? So I, I definitely understand the sensitivity involved there, but I feel like if if you're a fan and you criticize Carson Wentz for not being Philly tough and not being able to handle the Jalen Hurts drafting, well, then you can't sit there and say – Jalen Hurts should, you know, has every right to be offended by the Gardner Minshew, um, you know, addition. If if you either believe that a quarterback should be mentally tough and built to to withstand it, or that it's just not good process by a team, right? So we'll we'll see what happens. I, to me, um, I get what you're saying. Like Jalen's done a really good job of just kind of funneling out all of the outside stuff, but it does go back to the fact that you're not really guaranteed anything as a quarterback in this league unless you're kind of picked in the first round or the top 10 those guys get special treatment we know it but after that the rules are off and so Jalen Hurts has to prove himself and until he does and even when he does as we saw with Carson Wentz let's say he he's great and gets a really long-term deal well the Eagles are always going to be looking for the best available backup and cost-efficient backup like Gardner Minshew and if that backup just happens to be pretty good pretty flashy pretty whatever the Eagles have told you they're still going to go after it anyway. So um, I guess this is a small indication, John and Jody, that maybe they don't see what happened with Jalen and Carson as uh, a repetitive issue, or as we always say, the unintended consequences, right? Which, you know, you can question about fairly. And I've questioned their whole process on backup quarterbacks in the second round quite a bit, Uh, but they are clearly steadfast in this and, you know, that's either going to wind up paying off for them down the road or it's going to be a continuously um, bad process that blows up in their faces down the road that will force them maybe to rethink their strategy. Mm, I agree with almost everything you said. I will <laughs> just add to the conversation. Uh, comparing what happened last year with Carson and now a situation that Jalen could be in, major difference. I Carson agree. got $100 million. Jalen Hurts is still on his – Second round draft pick, first contract. So that does change the yeah, dynamic. Yeah, it's not apples bit, to apples. I, I agree with you with that wholeheartedly. Right. But but your point about got to be Philly tough. That's right. It doesn't matter what your contract says. You're supposed to be Philly tough. You're the starter. Here's the job. Don't let anybody take it away from you. Carson Wentz did. Jalen Hurts, don't let that happen. Go out and play like a star and then everything will be fine. All right. Uh, back to the uh, Eagles and the coaching staff. Nick Sirianni, we got a chance to see him call plays for three games with minimal starters in there, with guys in and out of the lineup, with not really worrying about winning or whatever. What have you learned through either the joint practices and or the three preseason games about Nick Sirianni, the play caller? That's 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 interesting. I, you know, I thought in the first game after Hertz came out after the, the first two series and Joe Flacco went in, I thought the offense was notably – Quick, meaning the the and that part of that was probably Joe behind the second string offensive line, and they weren't sure how to feel about it at the time. But definitely getting the ball out of the hands quickly, over the middle, throwing to running backs. Now that's something that they've done a lot in the preseason, and it's something Nick Sirianni hasn't really been secretive about 
going forward, which almost makes me suspicious. I mean, he's really come out and talked a lot about how the plan is to throw the ball to the running backs. But you might want to be skeptical of that. But then you look at what they've got at running back with Miles Sanders, with Kenny Gainwell, and with uh, Boston Scott. All three of them can catch the ball, and Kenny Gainwell is going to get on the field pretty early as long as he can, can continue to handle the workload that they've given him. So I believe him. I do think, you know, you look at the wide receiver situation. We already talked about that. Um, tight end situation is good as far as talent at it, but I think they have the, I can see the ability for them to kind of implement some of that college stuff where you're throwing to the running backs or you have the old pony package, but back in the day that used to be a power run thing. Now it's, yeah, you got yeah. two running backs at the same time in the backfield where both the defense doesn't know which one might be a uh, receiver or a runner, or both might be receivers, and you can flex them both out and do some really interesting things. 21 Pony turns into 21 Speed, Jeff. That's you remember right. 21 Pony with Danell Pumphrey and Darren Sproles. It was the rage <laughs> of the offseason. What do they call those little ponies out. at the fair, like the yeah. really small ponies? That, that's kind of what that one was. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, last one from me, Jeff, and make sure you read Jeff inside the birds.com, the podcast with Adam Kaplan, one of the best in the business. Also, Adam, a friend of the show, Andrew Jacheco as well at inside the birds.com. Um, I do want to talk to you about uh, Nick Sirianni, and this is more an opinion based question. I want to get your opinion. Nick Sirianni, it's 350 today, he's banging the table, he wants this guy on the back end of his roster. Does Howie Roseman listen? Which who's the guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a back end of the roster guy, so it's not. You know, it, it's one of those things. How much power is he going to have if he if he really really bangs his table for a guy? And let's be honest, you know, if you're talking about 52, 53 versus fifty four, you're not talking about a core player, a guy who's sitting in the preseason a guy who's sitting there in, in dress clothes and doesn't have one preseason snap, but does he have that kind of power to sway Howie Roseman? Mm, that's a good question. Look, I, I don't think Howie wants – I think Howie does want to be have this be a smoother transition, and I do know that the Eagles are kind of sensitive about the opinions that have been out there both on Howie and, and Jeffrey Lurie as an owner. Um, I think if we were to put the, the scenario you're running me through – through the first test, right? You go back to the draft, round three. Who won on Milton Williams? The coaches won, not the personnel staff, or certainly not Tom Donahoe. Um, so they wound up going with Milton Williams. It seemed like a vi- it seemed then, and it seems now like a victory for the coaches on that one. Uh, other picks, you might wonder if that was more Howie Roseman influence or whether analytics went into it. Um, so I will say uh, it depends on the player, but I do think that Howie is not going to be an an iron fist in year one with Nick Sirianni, the coaching staff. I think he's going to try to be flexible on who that player might be and what they can do. I'm going to stay with a coaching question, but take it out of the decision-making process and get it back out onto the field. Nick Sirianni had a lot of say over this coaching staff, much more so than his predecessor, who actually was a Super Bowl-winning coach. And uh, they gave him a lot of latitude to bring in guys that he formerly coached with and knew and felt comfortable with. Are they where they're supposed to be going into week one? Always tough with transition. A lot of first-time guys, first-time coordinators, first-time in Philadelphia. Do you think being around this coaching staff, whenever you've been in practice, Jeff, 
Do you think they've accomplished what they wanted to, what they needed to, uh, a little over a week before the first game? It's a good question. Now, let me let me throw it back at you before I answer. When you say, are they where they are supposed to be, where are they supposed to be at this point? And I asked that, Jody, because... They go out and beat Atlanta week number one. That's okay. a winnable game. Fine, that, they're going to be an fine. underdog, but do they feel that they can go down and beat Atlanta week one? I think that they should. I think that the big thing... I'm Listen, they got a tough first six weeks. So I've been on record as saying I think that they're kind of a seven to nine win team at most. Um, but they are strong where teams need to be strong to compete in the NFL, and that's in the trenches. And by week one, as long as nothing happens between now and then, and, you know, two weeks of an eternity, if they got that healthy D-line, that healthy O-line, I believe they're in good shape to compete. Now, what happens? The only thing I wonder about is the second half of that game because a lot of these guys didn't play a whole lot in the preseason. We know that. And the joint practices are very scripted. So as the game goes on and you're in move the ball situations for now, you know, an hour or so, and even though you're rotating, are they ready for that second half? But you know what? You can ask the same questions to the Falcons because I think they only played starters for a little bit in that fourth preseason game too. So I would say they are where they are. But I also asked you that, Jody, because I know some people think the Eagles are going to win 10 or 11 games this year and be very competitive. And I don't have – I think they'll be competitive, but I don't have those same – uh, visions as they do. So I understand that this is a flawed ro- roster. So if they don't beat Atlanta, I'm not going to sit there and say, well, they're clearly not where I thought they were going to be. It's just they weren't better than Atlanta that day because they are still a work in progress. But as far as being healthy, you always want to get through this team, especially. You want to get to the opener and be able to have most, if not all, of your starters healthy. They are definitely that for now. I mean, we'll see with Rodney McLeod and everything like that. But for the most part, they're healthy and ready to go. Just generally speaking, because a lot of different things can happen in a game, but I think you'll get the point I'm trying to make. Better not go down to Atlanta lose by 17 points. Well, that will I mean, be questioned here on Birds 365, on Inside the Birds and everywhere else, if they go down and get their tails kicked. Yeah, you're right. I was they looking at the Atlanta's game. roster. Guy makes a late field goal. They yeah. get beat 27-24. That, that, th- th- these things happen. They yeah. go down and they get beat 35-16. Oh, yeah, there's going to be uh, answers to be had here as to how they went through their first camp. Yeah, I was looking at Atlanta's roster again last night, and my God, I, you know, they've got some talent on offense, but you I, you can't find a single player on that defense other than Grady Jarrett, a really good defensive lineman who's an accomplished pass rusher. I, in fact, you can't even find a guy who, other than maybe Dante Fowler who, who had to take a pay cut who you would say, I even <laughs> recognize that yeah. guy as a pass rusher. So this should be a – for this Eagles offensive line, if they don't hold up well against the pass rush, and I know Dean Pease likes to do a whole lot of stuff on the back end, then that's a bad, bad sign because this Falcons this, – this game feels like it could be like 35 to 31 when all is said and done. He is Jeff with a G, and he's proud of it, Mosher. And he has, once again, done a very good job with us here on Birds 365. Most thanks, buddy. We'll certainly get you back up again soon enough. All right, fellas. Have a great one. Thanks, Mosh. InsideTheBirds.com <laughs> and Inside the Birds podcast with uh, Adam Kaplan. Jeff Mosher here with us on Birds 365. All right. Coming back, Johnny Mack. Got a couple more things to run by him. Bob Groats of the uh, Delco Times going to be our guest in hour number two. So keep it right here on Birch 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. 
turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hour number two coming up of Guard Street 65. Thanks for hopping aboard. With the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. Uh, it is cut down day. We'll continue to talk about that. Uh, Rob Groats, Delco Times, is going to join us coming up 25 minutes from now. Uh, and we'll get uh, Groats' thoughts on what the Eagle 53-man roster is going to look like. And as John and I discussed before we had Moshe up and he kind of hammered it home. There's the 53-man roster at 4 o'clock. Boom. We're going to know what it is. We're going to know who the Eagles have made available. And then the machinations begin. Teams will reach out and claim guys, which means they have to turn around and cut guys, which means other teams may have interest in that guy. And although he was on the original 53, oh, all of a sudden, later on today, he becomes available because they had to make a roster change. And it's kind of an ongoing game of hopscotch back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um with the Eagles grouping that they have right now, John, and guys, they want to try and get to the practice squad. And you made the great point about practice squad availability to be able to move up on game day. You can do it with a player a couple times over the year and I'm protected. And they're not really out there for anyone to be able to snatch. How aggressive do you think Howie's going to be in the time leading up to the 53 
and then the hours after the 53 where it's just back and forth trying to get an upper hand on somebody else. I think they're going to pick up a couple guys on waivers. Um, I've been pretty confident, pretty consistent about that. Remember, I think they're sixth on the waiver wire priority. One of the uh, – Jimmy Moreland just got cut in Washington. I think that's one that surprised a lot of people. Got to find out the uh, the sort of context behind it. I think 26-year-old corner can play outside, can play inside, been a pretty good uh, – you know, pretty solid player uh, thus far in his career. You got to wonder what's going on. But I, I look at a guy like that and say, you know, your Jets, for instance, you know, I don't know what their corner situation is, but they have waiver. They're oh, way up. By the way, yeah, they're number two. I, yeah, I guarantee you. I know exactly where they are. Number two, Jacksonville one, Jets two. Yeah, they're way up there. So hmm. you, you got to wonder if a guy like Jimmy Moreland will even get to the sixth uh, priority position uh, on the waiver wire. But the bigger point of this is, yeah, they're going to pick up some players. Might be a wide receiver, might be a corner. Um, you know, it's not going to be offensive line. Um, it's probably not going to be defensive line. We know those are the deepest parts of this team, and then you can kind of fill in the rest. But – I would look at cornerback and I would look at wide receiver on the radar, uh, on the waiver wire if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me ask you a question about cornerbacks since you went there and said they might be claiming someone. And I'm uh, surprised that the, the Redskins, who were deep at the cornerback position, already made a move and made a player available. Zach McPherson. First week of training camp, you and I talking every year there, every single day, you get to see it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It said, yeah, Zach looks like a rookie. He's pretty damn green. But then he started to pick it up, and you guys are talking about passes defended on a day-in, day-out basis and getting his hands on balls and uh, took a major step forward and kind of leveled off here uh, in the last couple of weeks, including getting beat in some of the preseason games. Now, you're at the joint practices, and uh, you got to give me more in-depth analysis there, but he's kind of had a spike uh, peak and valley preseason as we go into the first week of the season. How much is Zach McPherson actually going to be out there playing cornerback for the Eagles when they go to multiple cornerback sets? Well, I don't think you want him out there a lot, uh, but we talked about depth at the position. Right now he's the fourth corner, so you're going to have to play four corners. Now you hope uh, Darius Slay and Abonte Maddox and Steve Nelson hold up and they can play 100% of the snaps when they're out there, um, which would be 100% pretty much for Slay and Nelson. 
and as the nickel corner, uh, Avante Maddox would be in the 70% range, but um, you want those guys to be healthy, but the real, and, and then you're going to see four, we know the modern NFL, you're going to see four wide receiver sets. You're going to see five, you're going to see <laughs> empty, empty sets, uh, empty backfields. You're going to need more than three corners. Every team does. And that means right now, Zach McPherson's got to play. I think, you know, to a lesser extent, you brought up Kayvon Seymour and why, you know, people like me and Jeff don't think he's going to make this football team, even though he made splash plays in the preseason. He's doing it against third teamers. The third teamer doing it against third teamers. When Zach McPherson was playing well, he was doing it against second and third teamers. Then the Eagles said, you know what? Let's take a look at this guy. When we give Darius Slay a maintenance day, let's throw him in there with the first team. Wasn't as good. Makes sense. Um, you know, he's a rookie guy, and we always talk about how difficult it is to make that transition. I think it is the most difficult transition, literally. Everything, even more than quarterback. I think the, the transition from college to pro at cornerback is the biggest transition there is because of the difference in the way they call the games. And it's so difficult to get used to. It's so difficult to to figure out what you can do, what you can't do. And to be honest, you can't do a lot in the NFL when you're playing corner. It's just a really difficult job. I never want rookie corners on the field. Now, most teams have to play them at some point. Uh, and you kind of throw them into the deep end of the pool and you cross your fingers. And that's why I think I'd, I'd be looking at the waiver wire. I'd like a, 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 a Moreland-type player who's got some experience and, and maybe let Zach McPherson have a longer ramp-up period to learn. Can you get that accomplished? I don't know if you can get that accomplished. You meant, you've mentioned here on uh, Birch 365 a couple times, and I think it's, it's very well noted. Um, the NFL is different in that in some ways it's trickle up that you would think that everything is trickled down. They are the top of the pyramid and everything comes down. But a lot of times trends in the NFL do trickle up, but you're suggesting the way that football legislates cornerbacks is different between college and the NFL that in college you can just get away with more stuff and you can play a little bit more physical and the flag doesn't come flying out of the pocket NFL, it does because they get very defensive of their wide receivers and they want to see their offense all over the field and they legislate it uh, accordingly. Is the NFL doing it right? No, no, they're not doing it right. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like defense. I like, I like when the defense has a chance, when they have an opportunity. Um, and uh, most people, which I acknowledge, like offense. They want to see scoring. They want to play fantasy football. They want, they're bored by uh, defensive minded games. So the NFL is smart uh, from a business standpoint. They understand offense is better for the game than defense. Um, you know, as a purist who just wants to see good football, I want to see people have opportunities. Now, people will point to great defenses and they say, um, well, this team shuts people down. Yes, you can shut people down, but here's how I explain it. If you have a great quarterback, great offense beats great defense in the modern NFL. It used to be the exact opposite. There's nothing you can do to stop great offense in this league anymore. They don't allow it. Now, 
it's really difficult to get a quarterback that plays on the level of an Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady for two plus decades. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but once you get to that level and those guys are clicking on all cylinders, it's everything is shifted and tilted towards the offense. Everything, everything, I, I, every rule change from, you know, you, you go back in the days, you, you know, Jody, uh, you know, there were no, uh, you were not allowed to throw the football away uh, as a quarterback in the old days. You, you didn't have the ability to get out of the pocket and just say, oh, get it to the line of scrimmage. No, you had to play. You know why receivers had to go over the middle with the Ronnie Lots of the world ready to take their, their heads off. And that, you know, that intimidation has been removed from the game. And you got these 180 pounds. Tyree Kill's a perfect example of this. Phenomenal player, tremendous player, but he doesn't have to worry about going over in the middle of the field. That's actually a, a positive for Eagles fans that are looking at Devontae Smith saying 166 pounds. If this were a different era, I would tell you, there's no way Devontae Smith is going to last or he's going to stay outside the numbers. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Everything in this league is geared towards the offense. It's as simple as that. And the corners have it worst of all. They have it worst of all. They can't do anything. They can't put their hands on the on the on the players. Receivers can block. You see these bubble screens. You're going to see 167 bubble screens this year from the Eagles. You know why, Jody? Because they don't call the blocking. You're allowed to block unless you're Yeah, but be careful. One of the points of interest. No blocking below the waist. So but you're allowed no, to I'm block out about, there, but you got to be careful the way you do it. I, I'm talking about just that when you see that bubble screen and the and the receiver that's supposed to block starts blocking the guy before the ball's even gotten to the wide receiver. Unless you're really overt about it, if you're really overt about it, they'll call offensive pass interference. But they don't do it a lot. Everything is it's geared towards the offense. Pick plays, same thing. Uh, you, as long as you don't block the guy, you can get, you can do all the pick plays you want. It's really, really difficult uh, for corners in this league and rookie corners, especially. And you look at some of these first round picks and how bad they perform. And then you're saying, okay, fourth round pick, Zach McPherson, go out there and play at a high level as a, as a rookie. That's, that's a tall order. I've been saying that since day one. And that's why Steve Nelson is here. The countdown is on. We're under seven hours to when the Eagles have to have their first 53-man roster submitted to the NFL. Howie Roseman is working the phones as we speak in front of a board somewhere in the Eagles uh, Novacare complex, looking at other teams' rosters and getting speculation and what they can do. And this is one of the days that Howie Roseman truly does earn his salary, right, wrong, or indifferent. So you know what I got for you, Johnny Mac? It's a hypothetical question. My favorite <laughs> thing about doing this whole thing. I'm going to give you a hypothetical. Okay, question. I'm ready for it anytime, buddy. But I I go first because right, I start. You go first. You go um, first. Mine's that, Oh, by the way, <laughs> and I tweeted this last night that uh, uh, things that were supposed to have happened here in Philadelphia, uh, Zach Ertz being traded, 
we're about eight months after that was supposed to happen. Still here. Uh, Jalen Hurts going to be named starting quarterback. It's been about four months since Carson Wentz was traded. Still isn't starting quarterback. Um, <laughs> I had another Eagle one in there. I forget what it was. And uh, Ben Simmons is going to be traded. Oh, no, he's still here, too. Uh, so all these things where Philadelphia fans must have patience because they don't happen exactly when you want them to happen. Um, and so Ertz is part of it. He's still here. I know you were talking yesterday about Irv Smith. Ooh, the Vikings, they they do stuff like that. They may have even cleared some cap room by giving a very good 32-year-old defensive back a contract extension, which they can make the numbers jump around and maybe even clear some more cap space. So, yeah, they could take on Zach Ertz. Not happening today. Zach Ertz is going to be here. Just a prediction from yours truly. But let me go out there on the limb. Here's one that could, like, surprise some people. And it could happen over the next seven hours, or it could happen a week into the season or two weeks into the season. The Eagles have one of the best, when healthy, right tackle, right guards in all of football, Brandon Brooks. There was conversation last year when they were ramping Brandon Brooks up to potentially get back. As you told us, that last couple of weeks of the season, they were hoping that he could actually come back and play if they had a chance to make the playoffs. But people started talking about, for, and maybe the showcase for a potential trade during the offseason. Didn't happen. He never got back in. Um, he didn't get traded either. But he is still one of the most talented players at that position in the league. The Eagles are a team that you and I are both kind of optimistic on, and we think we're optimistic, an eight-win team maybe. But are they true contenders in the NFC least maybe, but to go to a Super Bowl? No, not really. If another team who is more of a Super Bowl contender, I'll pick one for you. Like, oh, the Kansas City Chiefs, coached by a guy we know a little bit here in town, um, were to lose their right guard. Breaks his leg week two, week one, done, not coming back, no questions asked. They got them a home guy that they want to protect and make sure it stays upright. They have a goal to get back to the Super Bowl for the third consecutive year. Howie Roseman talking to Andy Reid about potentially trading Brandon Brooks. With the uh, activation of Landon Dickerson, a possibility, any chance Brandon Brooks becomes a on-the-open-market commodity again over the next several weeks here in Philadelphia? I, I think it's a potential at the trade deadline. Uh, depending on what's going on. I mean, a couple things. You know, Brandon himself admitted the Eagles were shopping him in the offseason, so that was real. I mean, that came from Brandon himself. Uh, but remember, we're talking about a guy who's, I think he just turned 32 earlier this month, uh, two Achilles tears uh, over the past three calendar years, and, oh, by the way, makes a ton of money. Um, so, you know, you're talking about the value of maybe the best right guard in football when he's been healthy in that time frame that he's been injured. Uh, when he's been on the field, he's been great. Um, so that's that's a tough pill to swallow because Howie's always talking about value. Once a day two pick for Zach Ertz, well, you know, I I I I want a lot of things. It doesn't doesn't make it so. I mean, other teams are looking at that and saying what I'm saying. 32 injury history. The decline has got to start at some point. They start thinking about it. 
But if you go later in the season and, and Brandon is proven to be healthy uh, and he's playing at a high level and the Eagles aren't a contender, but Kansas City is a contender, to use your example. And, look, they're great on the left side. They signed Joe Thune. They signed – they traded for Orlando Brown. Right side, they got a bunch of unproven mess on the right side. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that we're, – we're always talking about that desperation. We're a Super Bowl contender. We need a right guard. It's the trade deadline. The Eagles aren't a contender. Maybe you get something uh, for Brandon Brooks. I, I think he's got to prove he's healthy. And one thing Nick Sirianni's uh, uh, philosophy or, or the organizational philosophy better stated, um, it hasn't proven to people Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson are healthy because they're not out there playing. So nobody knows. Lane Johnson talked to us yesterday. Guess what? He snuck in there. I put this on Twitter. Oh, his ankle's swelling up every once in a while. That's That's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Um, and everybody just kind of went, oh, it's so normal for Lane. He's been talking about it for years and years and years. It's a six foot six, you know, 320 pound guy who used to be, I think people don't realize, used to be a quarterback way back in the day. In other words, Lane is not a natural 320 pounder. Some guys who are naturally built that way. He has built up his body to play NFL football. He's going to be one of those offensive linemen like Joe Thomas. When he does retire, you know, you're going to see Lane in two years and he's going to be 240 and you're going to go, wow, Lane's lost a lot. He's going to be one of those guys. So what I'm trying to put, what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of stress on that ankle and it's swelling up again in August. And this is what I'm talking about. So when you talk about trading to Brandon Brooks, trading to Lane Johnson. Well, their organizational philosophy to get these guys healthy for week one might be great in-house, and they're going to be healthy uh, relatively so. It doesn't prove to anybody else, if you're looking to trade somebody, that they're healthy is what I'm trying to say. Understood what you're trying to say. And you're talking about Lane Johnson not being a natural 320-pound guy. That really does hit home. I know how big a football fan you are, NFL, uh, and I think you're a big college fan, too. Do you remember Adrian Karsten? He was a reporter for ESPN on the collegiate side, was one of those sideline guys, big, tall, good-looking blonde guy. Doesn't ring a bell. You don't ring a bell? Was a a tight end slash offensive lineman. Played both tight end and offensive line, which you don't see a lot of. Uh, but he did so for Wisconsin and was actually in the Green Bay Packers camp as an undrafted free agent and made it all the way to last cut. When last cut was just a handful of guys, unlike today where it's 20-plus that they're <laughs> going to uh, cut. And uh, he, after he graduated, um, he eventually came to work for ESPN. I knew him. He came up through the ranks the same time I did. And he went on to be a successful guy in the field. We lost him a couple of years ago, much too early and before his time. But I lived with Adrian at one point. Five of us guys shared a house. And he told me he was once within one really good meal of being above 300 pounds. Then he was 295, 298, right? He said, I never got the 300, but I carried as much weight as I could while staying under 300 pounds. Because I know Adrian 
two years after he's done playing football. He weighs 220. He's yeah. tall. He's thin. He lost 80 pounds. He trimmed yeah. 80 pounds. I go, I can't picture you. And he showed me pictures. And hey, he looked like a guy who was almost 300 pounds. I, that doesn't look like you. Two years. And, uh, and boom, the weight was gone. So you're right. There are a lot of players that just don't they don't naturally carry their weight the way they do. And it's something that uh, you might want to ask Lane at some point, if that is an issue, if you think that is factoring into some of the injuries that he's had. All right. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Magamac, Birds 365. We had Jeff Mosher on, hour number one. He did an outstanding job. Coming up next, we're going to punch up Bob Groats from the Delco Times, their Eagle Beat reporter. We'll get some Eagles insight from Mr. Groats next here on Birds 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. That makes us Mac and Mac here with John. Birds 365 on what is kind of a mixed yeah. emotional day. Yeah, I feel bad when anybody gets told their their services are no longer needed. 
that the cutdowns have become official, and we're still a couple hours away from that. Uh, and we're all getting ready, gearing up for the Eagles putting their roster together. And our next guest is doing just that. He's getting all set. He's ready to go. He's ready to rock now. So we're going to say hello to Bob Groats from the Delco Times. Bob Mac and Mac here. How are you, buddy? Hey, peace, Mac and Mac. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this is Bob. Bob texted me yesterday, so I'm gonna say this, Bob. This is, this is the great quote. This is why I wanted to get Bob Groats on today. The most inconsequential final cutdown since I've been on the beat from Bob Groats. Why? Why, Bob? Why is this so inconsequential? And by the way, that's a big statement because nobody's been on this beat longer. Yeah. Well, because we know what's going to happen. We all know that uh, Howie and uh, and his personnel guys, they're going to keep all the all their draft picks. We know that. So <laughs> the new coach who's been talking about competition and all, you know, and, and doing this, he, he's going to I can just see this thing happening. He's going to look silly. There's going to be guys that as much as you can in training camp, in joint practices, in the preseason, that have played really hard and competed hard, and they're not going to make this team. The, guy, the guys that are going to make this team are the guys that have some type of value in terms of their draft position, possibly even a trade. They're going to take a look at those guys. I, I don't think this is going to be a, a – I don't think this these cuts are a meritocracy in the least bit. They they've told the veterans who they want back. They've they've done stuff with their contracts, or they've tried to trade them. They're, they 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 got to go forward with them. And now the young guys, this with a new head coach, who have been um, spending what the last five or six weeks competing hard. They're they're going to find out you know exactly how confused I think Nick Sirianni is right now about about what he got into and the decisions. I, I really, because I really think these are out of his hand. All right, then I'm going to ask a very specific player to test your theory. Tyree Jackson has looked good, has wowed some people in preseason, both in just working against his teammates, joint practices, and uh, early preseason games. Got hurt. No, he's not going to be able to play. Do they keep him on the 53? Because he's not a draft pick. No. Now he doesn't have draft pick commitment in him, but he did kind of pick him off the scrap heap and say, yeah, we'll turn you from a uh, quarterback to a tight end. How does a guy like Tyree Jackson factor into the Eagle thinking? No, he, he's going to be on uh, either injured reserve or um, – I'm not sure if they could put him – can they still put him on pop right now, John? No. He's, he's going to be a long-term guy. No. They, they could even wave. I, he, he's, a, he's a ways away, Jody. I mean, he did, he has shown a lot of ability. He's got just an enormous frame, long arms, and he's shown potential. But uh, I, I don't think he's ready. I mean, not not for the NFL, not right now. But they may keep him on injured reserve. You, if you're on injured reserve to start the season, you got to sit out at least three games. And uh, and you count count theoretically against this. Well, that's a given. I'm asking you, yes. are they going to keep him on the 53? No, they start oh, no. at the 53 before they make the decision. No, he won't be on the 53. Yeah, no, no. There's no no. There's no way in my mind. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. But but uh, I, I I think there's a possibility he does go on injured reserve or one of the other designations, and, and they keep him around and then maybe practice with them later in the year. And 
And John knows how I feel about this season, too. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking good draft pick. I mean, I know it's early. I know they play in a a division that, you know, all you need to do sometime is stay healthy at the end. And I think that's that's motivated them during this training camp, you know, and and not playing players that uh, they they just want to get to that starting gate healthy. Well, we'll see if that theory works, too. Uh, Hey, hey, maybe I could be totally wrong against about this, but I still think you got to play. You really got to play some football and and you got to be ready, especially when you look at the schedule that they have to start the season, you guys know how I feel about that. It could be, if they don't start winning right away, it, it could be tough. So um, we'll see. I mean, there's a, this, this year, it looks like this great big theory, this, this evolution. Now, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get to the starting line healthy. We're going to be healthy. We're going to draft all these guys uh, at, at positions of need. And we're going to, and well, I mean, Nick didn't have a whole lot to do that. They, they have a, a banner draft pick in Devontae Smith, but, and they may, I guess they made their bid. It depends on what you hear, you know, about Deshaun Watson. I guess they, they threw their hat into that ring, but uh, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that they don't get somebody like that. Cause quite frankly, I, I don't know that they could even deal with the distractions of that, you know, no, you know, having to give up a ton of resources to get a guy whose future is still uncertain. So and the latest I heard on that is uh, the Eagles were more interested in uh, a deal or with conditional picks, depending on what what happens with uh, with Deshaun Watson and his legal issues. And, and I, you know, I, I'll give him credit for that if, if that's, that was the case. So, uh, I mean, I don't think you, you really want to invest a lot in a guy with a, with a future that's so uncertain, even, you know, if he is good. And I don't think you want to sell your soul for that, but that's me. Well, they did. Uh, they didn't sell their soul and they're not, they're bringing in a huge distraction, but they're bringing in the distraction, a quarterback and Gardner Minshew. I mean, Bob, this is a guy who thinks he should have been competing for with Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick who's, supremely talented and people will tell you is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck or Pete Manning, blah, blah, blah. He is Why good. is Gardner Minshew going to come into Philadelphia and say, oh, I'm okay with sitting behind Jalen Hurts. He's the guy with the 93 passer rating. He's the guy who's played in the NFL and put together statistics. Why are the Eagles bringing this into their organization again? Uh, they it, clearly they're not a hundred percent sold on Jalen Hurts, and uh, and they can you know you can spin this any way you want, but you don't expend resources on a guy who otherwise could be cut, and and you know you won't get him because of the claiming process. You don't expend resources unless you have a plan for him, and uh, and I, I think this is uh, I think they're going to take a look at both of those guys. Jalen Hurts obviously is the starter. But uh, for how long? I, I still don't know what Jalen Hurts is going to do in this offense. I, I still don't know if they're going to they're going to be RPO heavy or they're going to be or they're going to throw that screen pass and uh, the crossing route to Devontae Smith. If if those are the only two plays that work, believe me, <laughs> the bubble screen. Yeah, the, the, the bubble de- screen. The defenses are going to catch up to that. So um, and you know they but uh, and they and I think they're going to get the ball to the running backs a lot, but. Gardner Minshew, I mean, he's he's going to have a role on this team. And, I, you know, who knows? Maybe they even want to uh, do something with uh, Joe Flacco. Maybe, 
you know, maybe th there's a bunch of teams that could use a veteran backup, you know, not a, not a starter. Maybe, maybe he gets moved um, for a conditional third day pick or, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, there's still that, this, that move tells me when you invest resources, even, even the conditional picks like that, I mean, you, there, you have a pretty good reason for doing it. And, uh, and I, you know, I don't think he's the second coming of, of Andrew Luck. But I think Gardner Minshew can can play. I think he's I, – I don't know how good he is. I'm always leery of great stat, stats on a bad team. Um, As you but, should uh, be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jody, you remember Roy Henson, right, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, yeah. <laughs> the Sixers? He, he was lighting it up. And he's, he was a great guy, but, I mean, he, he just wasn't that guy when he came to the, to the Sixers. So I, I don't put too much stock in that. But I think the guy can play. And I – and, uh, and I'll tell you, I mean, looking at, at the way things are and, and knowing as little as I do about the quarterback situation, I, I'm guessing. And, uh, well, I'll predict that he's starting at some point this season. Ooh, wow. Interesting. Wow. I like it, Bob Groats, uh, who's here with us on Birds 365. All right. You mentioned the word meritocracy, and I'm kind of with you that it isn't always a meritocracy, that decisions are made because of past commitments and how a player was procured. Eagles have some offensive line depth. John keeps telling me this, that they, it's an area of strength that they're going to have to expose someone who's actually good enough to play in the NFL, maybe even start in the NFL. Uh, just not going to start here in Philadelphia. Who's the guy most likely that they're just not going to have room for on their 53 because they're going to take, Oh, I don't know, Andre Dillard and keep him, even though I don't know that he's merited making the team. Yeah, I don't either. Who's gonna who's the guy who's gonna get scooped up and go play somewhere else and we're gonna go, damn, the Eagles should have never exposed him. Well, I don't think there is such a guy, really, Joey. Okay. And I'm being facetious, but uh, you know, Matt Pryor, Andre Dillard, guys like that, I, I could see them getting dealt. Um but I mean, I could see him trying to deal those guys. I, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, the Eagles' final cuts are going to be uh, – that teams are going to feel real comfortable with these guys, you know, unless they cut somebody really good. And I, I don't see that happening. I no. I just see – you know, I look at the this roster, and uh, it's pretty – I think the decisions have, have pretty much been made. They, they could still use a tight end. I think it will be more interesting to see who the Eagles claim because these final cuts, I think the bottom third of that roster – that could be a really fluid situation. I think they could end up picking up guys. I, I still see this as a rebuild. I, I don't have to share the optimism of, of other people. Um, but uh, And part of that is because of the, that quarterback situation that we just talked about. And uh, I, I see this uh, – I see them really taking a, a hard look at the waiver wire. They, they, they should have a decent claim, too, on uh, you know based on last year's record. So this is going to be – it'll be – Interesting to see how they put this together, but but oh, by the way, don't be surprised if these guys that uh, that and there's there's a few guys there, and you know one of the guys I thought at least they'd at least wait until the final cut because because he really played his ass off or played his rear end off was Elijah Hollyfield. Why not just wait till the oh, final yeah. cut? You know before you, I mean, yeah. what was the hurry with him? <laughs> you know, like. Um, you know, even Andy Reid, he had he had the good sense when somebody had a good preseason game not to cut him the next day. So I, I don't know. I, I just I don't think that uh, I, I think the interesting thing about these cuts are going to be if you if we can see influence of uh, of the head coach Nick Sirianni in these cuts. 
Well, let's bring up the head coach then, Bob, because, you know, one of the things is second value after connecting is competition. Uh, that's all he's talked about since the day he got here. So how do you sell to your locker room? Oh, you don't. Yeah, you're yeah. right, John. I, I, yeah. I, that's a big thing. And and the, the veterans know this already. They know the deal. They know who makes the decisions. <laughs> and, and that's why they're still there. They, they kind of won the standoff, you know. Although Jason Kelsey, they want him around. That that's the way I see it. I mean, I, I guess that's a, you know, people would say conspiracy theorists, but that's the way it is. And uh, and you know, it isn't that way for. I mean, with other organizations, they do it the same way. But there's some kind of, of disconnect with the Eagles. So at least there has been lately. You know, we we talk a uh, we talk about uh, you know those three straight trips to the playoffs and a Super Bowl. You know, that, that run started with a last-place finish, and right now it, 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 we're coming out of a last-place finish with this team. So I think, um, you know, that they, they really hit it that one year. There's no question, the Super Bowl year. They nailed it. And, uh, but they had some different people working in that front office, and I'm not blaming, you know, this totally on, on all the people working in there. But I think it's pretty clear that, uh, you know, they, that the decisions that have been made in the last couple of years, and uh, you look at that, look at them as a whole, and you just you're scratching your head. Why did they do this? Why did they do that? And starting with the the drafting of Jalen Hurts, although I, you know, for the life of me, I still think that was a decent move. I I just don't like the way that they they managed that situation, and that had that happened to be Doug Peterson's strength, managing the quarterback position until last year. Yeah, and then unfortunately it went. Pretty awry for both Doug and Carson Wentz. All right. Uh, I want to take you a step away from the coach's responsibilities today in formulating the roster because all three of us kind of agree that, oh, he's in the background at best with Howie pulling all the strings. I don't think Howie is going to pull the strings on game planning and play calling. I don't think he's going to have a three-way mic where he gets in the headsets with uh, the head coach and Steichen who have a calling in the play. I don't think he's going to overrule a, a play that uh, the coach calls in the third quarter against Whoa, Atlanta. We better hope so. Yeah. We don't know, but I, I'm, I'm putting faith yeah. in Whoa. the new head coach. He's not going to allow that to happen. But we've seen a bunch of joint practices, three preseason games, but well on record that he's not going to tip his hand and shoot a whole bunch of starters played. What do we even know about Nick Sirianni, the play caller? Yeah, we we don't know that much. I, I mentioned the uh, the crossing patterns. We're going to see a ton of those because they got some fast guys, and that those patterns tend to wear down secondaries chasing the guy across the field. We're going to see that bubble screen, the, uh, a bunch of screen passes, and we're going to see that the backs are going to be a, a huge part of the offense. I, I'm convinced of that, and, and the tight ends. And then you'll hopefully, you know, the vertical threat, you can work that in. Now, I'm still not sure, you know, the way Jalen Hurts is going to fit into this. And uh, and I think some other people are, too. What was it, 10 snaps, John, for the entire preseason? Yeah. yeah. I, that, you know, I, what, I, I'm, I'm really curious as to what they see in Jalen Hurts that I've, I've totally missed, why he shouldn't be playing more. And uh, I, don't, I don't understand that. So, so uh, we'll see. Maybe Nick, I, you know, I, I can't, uh, I can't believe that he wouldn't have a plan. But uh, I mean, that was really awkward when Hertz did not play in that second preseason game. There's, there's no getting around that. And um, and and that's another thing that the team sees. They, the players are not, 
players are really smart about this. They they get a they can they can sniff this out from a mile away. Like who who's making some of the calls? And you're right, Jody. He, I mean, I think it's I think it's illegal for for them to call plays from the press box. Yeah, anyway. you can. In the guy in Cleveland get in trouble for? Yeah, Ray Farmer. Yeah, yeah. Ray Farmer got in trouble for. He, he that. got. I think he got suspended a couple games yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. but but. Um, you know this uh, with, with the Eagles and and uh, and the veterans and the dynamic with the coach. Um, wow, I mean, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to to have to be responsible for for this this whole operation when someone above me is like shouting or whispering things in my ear the whole way, and I and I got to keep him happy. I, this, this is a tough way to start your first year in the NFL. And <laughs> and I really get that that, that impression that that is going to happen. So, um, and, and the other thing is, too, I don't know if we if you, you guys have discussed this much, but you, you look at that coaching staff. They're very young and um, just a very young coaching staff. Uh, most teams, over, over half the teams in the NFL have at least – one coordinator or senior coach that, you know, has been uh, that has head coaching experience in the NFL. And I, I think that really helps. Now, this is a little bit different world with COVID and, and the testing and all this stuff. And Doug Peterson obviously was not equipped for all, any of that and the way that he interacted with players. And and Nick Sirianni, I think that this is going to help him. This is going to be a strength, the way that he can interact. But, uh, you know, there's only so many times, too, that you can – you can come up with these, uh, you know, you can wear somebody's shirt, you know, like Fletcher Cox's or, or Miles Sanders or, or play rock, paper, and scissors, you know. And by the way, you're going to see that after a touchdown with some of those players. They're going to go over that sideline. That's going to be yeah. – you're going to see that until you get tired of it, yeah. And um, there's only so many times you can do that. It's about – they want to win. And, uh, and, and for the veterans on this team – Guess what? This is like the last roundup. It's like I don't I don't see a lot of these guys being back after this year, um, I, because I don't see them winning a the Super Bowl. So, and um, and you know it, it's kind of you know I feel a little bit like that with all these uh, writers and stuff leaving from the other papers and and other yeah. media. Movies, you know, it's like the last yeah. round. I'm, I'm looking around and I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is really different. You know. And I look at my watch, and and I think about the time that I, you know, hey, you know, I guess the I guess the sun is start or the sun is it's starting oh, to set. Don't yeah. even yeah. say it, Coach. Yeah. No, we need you, buddy. Don't be yeah. hitting at anything like that. Don't want to hear it. All right, next question. And I readily admit ahead of time, it's probably unfair, but I'm a jerk, so I'm going to go ahead and ask you anyway. Um, <laughs> Carson Wentz coming under fire a little bit in Indianapolis. Dennis Doyle, who's the guy I've had on as a guest on my radio show a bunch of times because he was CBS before he went back to Indiana and uh, became the cult speak guy for the star, uh, took some pretty good shots at Carson yesterday. Calling him oh, a, that was uh, brutal. A that selfish brutal. guy and Philadelphia had it right. He's a jerk and a bad teammate and the like because he chose not to get the vaccine. We still don't know that, but we assume it because every time he's been asked, he said, that's a personal choice which means you haven't had the vaccine. Uh, and he's now got to go into protocol because he had close contact with a guy who was at it and other cults have it as well. Pretty good attack on Carson Wentz. Um, is Carson Wentz a bad guy? If he chose not to get the vaccine, here's the way I guess I want to ask the question. Do you think it is just a personal thing? Do you think it is he doesn't like to be dictated to? Do you think it's a religious thing? Why do you think Carson Wentz chose not to get the vaccine? 
Yeah, I don't think he's a bad guy, but he wasn't much of a teammate. And, um, and he, he wasn't a, a real interactor with, with many people. He was really suspicious. And I, I swear, there was an incident before, I mean, early before Carson Wentz did anything that pretty much told this, I mean, an, an interesting parody of him. You remember when he got locked in that bathroom in South Jersey? <laughs> And then he put it on his Twitter account. Do you remember that? (laughs) He got locked in a bathroom, and then he thanked the guy who broke the door open to get him out. You know, the the starting quarterback, the 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 franchise, the face of the Eagles. And then he tweeted it, and that was the last time we saw a tweet like that. Everybody ran with that. I mean, that that was like people. Oh, look at this! The starting quarterback. I think he. I think he really distrusted or mistrusted the media. Distrusted, yeah. Well, I think that's the right word. So, I, and I think he let that dictate, you know, who he was. And I think that turned him into a, you know, I, I don't know if I could say bad teammate because his, his teammates seemed to like him, but he did not seem like a great teammate. And that, you know, the way that he kind of stopped around after he got demoted last year, you know, that, that, that was bizarre, you know. So this thing with the COVID vaccine, though, I, I don't. I, I think um, I've spoken before this to John about this. I, I really think the NFL Players Association just nailed their guys to the cross by not taking a more of a stand. You know, in terms of choice, they they call it choice. It's not choice unless you you know you want to be vilified. Unless you yeah. want to be vilified, like Carson Wentz. Yeah, they they weaponized that whole thing with the vaccine and that. Now I I have the vaccine. That's the way. I have to because I have to cover the team and stuff. But if a guy, you know, if a guy doesn't want to get it, yeah. I mean, I, I hear people talk about how selfish they are, and I, I'm I'm sorry, I, I don't buy that. And uh, you don't want things to happen. Um, you you you're subjected to much more stringent standards. Could that hurt you and your team? Yeah, but uh, I, I think that I see that as a failing of the NFL Players Association you know, for, for being dictated to. And uh, I, I understand the other side of it too, but if it's, if it's choice, make it a choice. Don't, don't tell me it's a choice and then take all these actions against people that didn't do it. I, I, that's the way I feel. So does that make him a bad teammate? I, I, I would disagree with that. Um, but I think there's, there's some other evidence to suggest that, that he could have been a much better teammate while he was in, with the Eagles. Yeah. With Carson, I, you know, I think he's just, kind of a, a quirky guy. I don't think he's a bad teammate. He's a hard worker, but he's kind of an introvert. You need to be an extrovert as a quarterback, and he doesn't uh, really reach out to a lot of players. So That's some of the younger way. players on the team. But, you know, the veteran players, Bob, you know, Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelly, they all love the guy. They yeah. all love the guy. So yeah. You remember that story about Carson coming out of the um, the front door of the Novacare complex, right? when we could still get in there and go to press conferences and he passed us. Oh yeah. Yeah. Have you ever told Jody that? Yeah. yeah. So Carson is walking out the front doors of the complex, Jody. And um, it's a, it's an off day. Uh, he, he, and he's, you know, it looks like he's happy and everything. He's, he's just strutting out the front doors and we walk out of the auditorium and around the sidewalk and we're on a collision course with him. <laughs> and uh, so he, he looks at us and instead of just even saying hello, and he knows who we were, but we, we've spoken to him for a couple of years. Instead of just saying hello or, or even having some fun with it, you know, like, yo, you guys, who dressed you guys, you know, that type of thing. He looks down at his phone, you know, like to, to, to avoid us. Introverted, definitely. And, yeah. you know, hey, uh, you know, I, I, we've spoken about this, Jody, like 
Donovan McNabb would have would have said something insulting, you know, and we would have oh, taken yeah. it the right way. Yeah, Nick Foles would have stopped there and and just uh, he, he would have said something. He would have said hello, you know. He would have talked about living in the moment, and he's got to go. Oh, you know, yeah. he doesn't have a moment for us. All these guys would have done some. Hurts would have Hurts would do something too, you know. Y'all, you, you know, if we could get there, but uh, but this guy, like, I mean that that was that was really interesting to me that, you know, the face of the franchise. Well, he's not the face of this franchise no. anymore, so we don't really have to worry about him, but we will bring him up from time to time. All right, Bob, last one for me. And, uh, again, thank you very much for coming on. Always love it when you do. Uh, you, you, let me run you down the Eagles schedule again real quickly. At Atlanta, San Francisco home. At Dallas, Kansas City home. At Carolina, Tampa at home. At Vegas, at Detroit. Chargers home at Denver, Saints at home. You've gone Owen, whatever, with us before. The potential downside, the yeah. pessimism. What is the biggest O and what you've come up with so far? How many can the Eagles actually lose in a row to start the season? I thought it was 0 and 8 or 0 and 9 if they don't win that first game. But, but I got to say this what is the line? Four or three and a half of the first game? They're underdogs. I think it was four and a half, wasn't yeah, it? They, they sure. do have a shot. They they got a shot because Atlanta's in a transition and they they can't stop anybody. <laughs> like, yeah. They have one of the worst defenses ever. This is going to be their Super Bowl, Jody. The first game, first I, game I, Super yeah, Bowl. They, yeah, they, I like it, Bob Gross. They got to win this game, or they, it's going to go south. I, I just I have a bad, <laughs> you know. I, and and by the way, I think they're going to win that first game, and everybody's going to get super excited. And then the losses are going to start piling up. That will really make you look foolish, won't it? Yeah. Then then they lose eight in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can always change my mind the next time. But it but they they better get off to a good start because uh, everybody the, the players you know they they like Nick. Um, he they they've been trying to build this new culture, and uh, if you get off to a rough start and um, you know they it, it just it's easy for this thing to go south and uh, and and you know I I think Nick too he's shown us a, a, a temper he's shown his temper at, at times so can you imagine what that is going to be like if they start losing games <laughs> he starts seeing mistakes that I I'm looking forward to that I mean if if they I, I'm looking forward to the temper not the losing games I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody in Philadelphia. One, one and eight will always be better than zero oh and eight. So if they get that win in the first one, that's all right. And it's better than the zero oh and eight oh. possibility that Bob Groats threw us for. And oh, by the way, Bob, you have our permission to retire in twenty thirty two. We need you for at least another yeah. decade. Yeah. So uh, get get ready to put in another decade on the. All right, guys. guys. Always a pleasure, guys. Bob Thanks, Groats. Bob. I'll, I'll catch you around. Time here with us on uh, Birds three sixty five. I love having him on. Because he, he, he absolutely, there is no cheerleading from him. No. He is going to tell you exactly. And there are some media members in this town. Oh. Doesn't necessarily I'm... have to be on the Eagles beat, who I firmly believe are contrarians, who want to look at the glass that's half empty, look at the glass that's completely empty, as a matter of fact. I've never thought of that as Bob Groats. He's not that kind of guy who's going to beat the we stink drum just to get a reaction, no, no, to get no, no. more attention or more clicks or whatever. All That's I'm never looking, been Bob Groats. All I ever look for, Jody, is objectivity, man. Objectivity. I don't want a cheerleader, and I, I don't want somebody looking for negative information. All you're looking for is objectivity. 
and you know the guys. Generally, the guys that are on this show are the objective ones. And there's a lot of non-objective ones, both sides, by the way. Understood, agreed, but Groats is negative coming into this season. I love him. Oh. I love him, but Owen oh, ain't got to no, be right. No How hard this is team... it going to be for you and I to do the show every day no, if this, this team, team is Owen eight? I've said from the start, this team is too good on the offensive line, too good on the defensive line to go completely off the rails. Think about last year. That's as bad as it can get. They still won four games. They're not going one and eight. I hope not. Man, that would be that would be a tough slog for you and me, pal. You know, I do my WIP shows, but this is same thing every day, Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. If they're 0-8, God, it's going to be heavy lifting. Not from you, from me, because uh, it's your job. You do it every single day. You're immersed. I have to watch from outside and just take in the O and it. Man, that's going to be hard. I hope he's wrong. I love Groats, but I hope he's, he's wrong. wrong. Don't worry be. about it. He's he better wrong. win that opener no against way. the Falcons, now that no you think about it. All right, uh, we got to come back. Remember, it is cut down day. John's got his eye on his phone and his emails and the like. If we get any breaking the way, news. The Washington football team is the most talented team in football because they're cutting some players that I did not think they would be cutting. Okay, hold hold on to that. We got to get our last break in. Come back. We'll talk about some cuts around the league. Eagles leading up to when Eagles have to get down by four o'clock this afternoon to their 53 here on Birds 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job, a personal injury from someone else's negligence turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Coming down the home stretch with the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald. Um, thanks to both Jeff Mosher and uh, Rob Gortz for hopping on with us. Both did a really outstanding job when they're on with us. It's a tough day because people are going to lose their livelihood. Um, I, I, we <clears> kind <throat> of uh, brush over this at the top, but uh, I just want to get it out there in advance today. There's going to be some guys who are going to be told their service is no longer needed for the Philadelphia Eagles. And there'll be a handful of them on every single team that that's going to happen to today, that they're never going to play football again. That yeah. this is going to be it. That they're not going to be able to hook on with another team. And their time will just come to an end. And they're going to have to get on with the rest of their lives. And for some of these guys, it's hard. They've been football players since peewee football. And all of a sudden, they're not going to be a football player anymore. And they're going to have to find something to do with the rest of their life. So for anybody that happens to today, just my own personal condolences, like anybody's ever going to know about or hear about, it, I just want to say it on record. I feel badly that that's going to happen to some people. But uh, after the tough spot of telling people their service is no longer needed, you got to get on with your football season. And some teams are already doing it. You're saying Washington's made a couple of cuts that grabbed your attention. Huh? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, at Jimmy Moreland, I told you before, they cut Antonio Gandy-Golden. Uh, that's kind of a big name, a recent uh, interesting athletic uh, pick, sort of wide receiver slash running back. They cut Peyton Barber. Um, by the way, if the Eagles want to add even more talent to the quarterback factory, Ben DiNucci out in Dallas. Big <laughs> Big shocker. Before hard knocks tonight. Yeah. Quick cut for him. Uh, they also cut Garrett Gilbert. So Cooper Rush is the backup quarterback in Dallas. But that so, only leaves him two quarterbacks, right? Yeah. So maybe Dak Nick Bowles. And Coop, Nick that's Bowles. It? Maybe Nick Bowles to Dallas. Keep an eye on that. Hmm. Yeah, because they had uh, four quarterbacks, and now they're down to two. And one of them, of course, is Prescott, who hadn't done anything all preseason. And they're just going to throw him into the mix in week number one. Wow, that surprised me. I thought Gilbert was a lock to make that squad. I didn't think Ben did. John, I was joking. I was you joking. You, you suffered through that entire oh. uh, debacle of 4-11 and 11 last year. Ben DiNucci, gift wrap. One of the four Eagle victories last year. One like the Eagles went out and kicked the Cowboys. We like to dream that that's the way it always has to happen. Anytime the Eagles beat the Cowboys, it's yeah. got to be a beat down and a domination. No, the Eagles didn't beat the Cowboys last year. Ben DiNucci beat the Cowboys last year and handed the game to the Philadelphia and by Eagles. By the way, and that's when you, we talk about Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was slightly better than Ben DiNucci in that game. Slightly, maybe slightly better. But also Carson's learning. We talked about Carson. I just want to wrap that up because that was brutal. I thought that column was unfair to Carson Wentz. Um, but Doyle, I, I mean, Doyle is that kind of writer, though. He's a yeah, he's but a I mean, that's, type that, guy. That, he does I, not I, make hey, words. I'm a columnist. I've said some things. I don't have a problem with Doyle. I'm just saying it's unfair. Uh, I, I know Car Carson's not a bad guy. Um, is a bit of an introvert, as I explained. I don't think he's very comfortable 
in a leadership position, and that's what quarterback is. But beyond that, uh, the people are saying it's Philadelphia, it's Philadelphia media, it's Philadelphia. No, you're the face of the franchise in any NFL city. You're going to get that treatment in every NFL city. Yeah, Indianapolis is one of the smaller ones. Yes. You're going to get it everywhere. You're not escaping it. And Carson's learning that quickly. All right, Johnny Mack, we're running out of time. I know this is of interest to me. Don't know how of interest it is to anybody else. And I sure as hell know it's of interest to you. What is the key guy for the Philadelphia Eagles to either keep or cut today that is going to give you the chance to wrestle away the championship from the defending champion of the Eagles media 53-man roster poll? T-Y you already got uh, Landon Dickerson. I already got Landon Dickerson. Big the for you. key guy for me is T.Y. McGill because I think every – and by the way, I'm uh, this was strategy for me. I talk about Howie Roseman's strategy. This is strategy for me. T.Y. McGill deserves to make this team. T.Y. McGill should make this team. I have him off this team. Rolling the dice saying – Vested veteran, week two, bring him back. Don't need him, save the spot. That was my strategy. If Team Y McGill gets cut, I'm in good shape. All right. Um, but I, I feel bad. I'm, I'm and, like, and, you know, well, you, you got it. That, well, that's what the contest is. That's what the Eagles have to do. We should hold your feet to the fire, yeah, too, and make you gave, do the same you, thing. You just gave that great soliloquy about people losing their job, and I'm playing I'm playing a game with somebody. See you, T.Y. See you. Yeah. Um, so who do you have on the D-line making it that uh, some others may not since they would have T.Y.? Well, I, it's not about who's making it. It's about everybody's got T.Y. making it. So if I'm right, I, I forget. I don't so have you have one less defensive lineman or a yeah, defensive exactly. tackle you think most people one, have? One okay. less defensive tackle. Uh, like a lot of people would put Ra- Raquan Williams already got cut. I had him being cut. So I went a little bit light on the defensive line, thinking they'll juggle it after what we talked about with Jeff Mosher. Uh, sort of. That's my strategy. How he's got, got his strategy? I'm you trying to Ridge- win this thing. You got Ridgeway making a team. I do have Ridgeway making okay. a team. So Ridgeway instead of, and I think T.Y. Hilton has been better than Ridgeway. So uh, T.Y. I'm not McGill, sure your line of yes. thinking is right, but I follow you. No, I of said T.Y. deserves to make the team. I, it's not about that. I'm trying to win a contest. Right. So. <laughs> That's why we have him here with us, John McMullen. He'll be back in 22 hours. He's going to have to deal with me in 22 hours. John, I know you got a busy day, a lot of work and figuring stuff out and getting information out of the Eagles and from around the league, too. So we will let you get at it, but be primed and ready to go 22 hours from now because you're going to have to have some answers for us. I will be ready to go. I'm primed, I can't guarantee, but I will be ready to go. <laughs> uh, we'll both be ready to go 22 hours down the road here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.